Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Tuesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. It's our little two-hour slice of Stiller talk. Arthur Motes, number 55, formerly of your Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wesley Euler. I wore number 59 when I played sports <laughs> and number 21, depending on the sport. Pond pa hockey legend. Pond hey. pa hockey legend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how we'll, that's what we'll go with from now <laughs> And soon to be Pitmaster legend. Hey, <laughs> the grill man himself. Yin's already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two Jeez. hours, you can do so on the dot com. That is the twitter.com at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Off the long weekend here, Motsi, and I don't know about you, but. First though, that's a dope intro, man. I love how you just, yeah, <laughs> you do that. That's what you do. Listen, I have to, the standard here on Steelers Nation Radio has to be the standard, right? Mm, okay. I mean, look at. Look at all my other colleagues on this radio station. There's Arthur Motes, decade-long NFL career. Oh, here you go. Decade-long NFL career, right? There's Tunch and Wolf. Uh, I mean, you've got Pro Bowls and, and, and all kinds of stuff and decade-long NFL careers with Tunch and Wolf. We got Matt Williamson. Oh, you know, just no big deal. The guy who was a scout for Pitt and director of football operations for Akron and a scout for the Cleveland Browns. We got Dale Lolly, who's been covering the Steelers literally longer than I've been alive. Wow. So listen, Motes, if I'm going to come on this radio wow. station, I got I to gotta <laughs> come correct with something. Absolutely, man. But hey. You've been doing a phenomenal job. West with the good hair. So keep it up, baby. Yeah, I don't know about the good hair with both of us now. I mean, we are fully quarantined Listen, hair man, mode. Let, let it go and let it live, man. Carefree, hair-free. Embrace it. You got to look it in the eye, that adversity, and embrace it. We saw uh, Morgan's brothers this weekend, my brothers-in-law. They're both mm -hmm. in high school. And uh, they were like, dude, when was the last time you got a haircut? And I honestly, I think it was sometime in February. It was either very early February or late January. It was the last time I've had a haircut. So I, it's say, been, I literally had my haircut whew. the first week of March. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And it's funny. So I'm still trying to figure out. I'm playing. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where my wife is, uh, where she's going with this, right? Because mm -hmm. as of lately, <laughs> anytime I complain about my hair, man, it's getting long. Is she's like, nah, babe, it looks good. Like you don't even got to touch it, and it just looks nice. But then this morning. <laughs> I get done working out. <laughs> she wasn't so nice. And huh? She's like, hey, babe, when are you going to get your hair cut again? And I'm like, whoa. Wh <laughs> Where did this come from? Hold on. Yeah, wait. What do you say? You're saying I don't look good? <laughs> I mean, do I need to get a hat? You said it's hat day. Don't you tell me right now? Like, let let me know, please. All of a sudden, you're really self-conscious yeah, walking man, out of the I, house. I was looking in the mirror the whole way driving in like, is it that? I mean, ah. Yeah, like, man. yeah, you know, my, my wife hasn't hit me with that yet, but I, I got to think I'm getting close. Yeah. She, when, when, when are you going to get your haircut again? Whoa. Hey, you, just a week ago, you said it looked good. Settle down. Which one is it? Settle down. Come on. But we got plenty to get into today, plenty to laugh about. We'll, we'll share some, uh, you know, some barbecuing and some smoking and some memorial. We'll swap some Memorial mm -hmm. Day stories as we, go, as we go along here. Uh, Arthur Motes, but I think our fans would appreciate it as it 
It's a very uh, Monday-ish Tuesday today, right? Whoa, I see what you did. You there. like that? I like that. And in a very kind of just Tuesday is Wednesday. Months and weeks oh. that yeah, months and <laughs> weeks that have just in days that have all been blending together. And Absolutely. you know, we've been making the joke that there's only been three days over the last couple months. That's there's not y- a joke. That's real. There's life. yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's it. And right, this whole thing has been one long month of like Mar, April, May. Absolutely. And pretty soon it's going to be Mar-April, Mayune mm-hmm. once we once we roll into June here. Um, so we're going to get to all that, but we we got some some new tangible stuff, I think, to, you know, after this four-day weekend, a holiday, well, three-day weekend, it was a four-day weekend for us. Um, after a holiday weekend, you know, I think it always hit people, you know, you, you got to get going a little bit. You got to get the juices flowing Correct. to get back into it. Wifey texted me this morning from work, and she was like, man, she was like, I'm struggling today. She's like, I'm moving slow. You know, you do nothing for four days, and all of a sudden, you know, nice four days feels like summer. Oh, yeah, it'll get you now. You got to go back to work. It'll get you. So let's ease into this with with a little laughing here, Mozi. You know, one of our favorite pastimes on this show is to – Laugh about that team across the turnpike, right? And mm. I don't mean the Philadelphia Eagles across no, the Pennsylvania no, no, turnpike. No, the, the one that looks like skid marks, that one. Yeah, the yeah. one the one the one who are named after a color. Yeah. Yes, I know they're named after Paul Brown. All right. I know it's a no, joke. No, 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 no. They're, they're named, named after, after a color. color all right? yeah, they're named after a color. They started a football team in Cleveland. They were so creative that they opened up a crayon box and they grabbed the first one out and they said, All right, like, Cleveland Browns. I like this. This is a perfect color. <laughs> Arthur Motes, uh, they have there's this thing going on and it's a great thing called, it is, called it the is. all in challenge right and it's where celebrities people of influence mm-hmm. right are auctioning off experiences yeah. like for example Tiger Woods is auctioning off the opportunity to play around at golf with him Correct. right and 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 it goes to the high, is it a raffle system or it yeah, goes so, to the highest so the way bidder? it works um they do a auction and then they'll also do a raffle portion okay. of it as well. So from there, but the proceeds will raise like money for Meals on Wheels, No yeah. Kids, All Hunger, coronavirus American charity food, related. Yeah, anything coronavirus, pandemic related, that's where the money goes so, to. Like to, for a local spin, right? Mark Cuban, good yinzer Mark Cuban mm-hmm. has said like, like he did one of these and it was like, I'll fly you on my private jet right. down to Dallas. You can watch mm-hmm. an NBA game with me. We'll do uh, X, Y, and Z. Grammy, what? Grammy uh, rapper yes. Meek Mill, he said that he's auctioned off his favorite Rolls Royce Phantom. Yes. If you donate X amount, you get entered into the raffle to win his Phantom. So, Leonardo DiCaprio. The, the one that I want is when all you know when they get the all clear. There's another movie that's going to be shot. It probably won't come out for right. another two years or so. Uh, another Scorsese movie that Leonardo mm. DiCaprio's in. That's tight. And so he's offering Leo is the chance to come yeah. hang out on set for a couple days well, with him and Scorsese. Funny thing, Kevin Hart is offering yes. something, and he's actually offering a speaking part in the movie. He said, "No way." Yes, that's cool. Now he didn't say how much of a how much Shit, of a speaking part. Just but, be a line or two, but still, yeah, that's still awesome, yeah. man. So there's yeah. some really cool things out there, and again, this is all with the purpose of raising money yes. for charities. You know, during during this mm-hmm. unprecedented time. Oh man, that word again. I know no one ever says that. No. Arthur Mutz, the Cleveland Browns, Uh-oh. good on them. They've decided to uh, to put up an all-in challenge. It is one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, and I'll let you tell the people what it is because I don't, oh, know, I don't know if I could say it all without laughing. All right, so what the Cleveland Browns are offering in their all-in challenge is a chance, an opportunity, opportunity for two people to help script the first. Oh, wait, it's two people? It's two oh, people. Geez. They get the opportunity to help script the first 15 offensive plays of a preseason game, which is absolutely bonkers to me. But then on top of that, the player, the two people will also be invited to the team dinner and team meetings the night before, along with being able to run through the tunnel with the players and receive pregame sideline passes. Wow. Now, okay, look, 
I love the invited to the team dinner part. I'm cool with that. That's all in. I'm loving the team meeting part. Sideline I'm pass. cool. That's all. Hey, run through the tunnel because, like, I've seen that. I, I, we've seen when you have some of the higher-profile guests that are fans of the team, they're in town, they come to the meetings. We, we, everybody remembers the pictures that went viral with Justin Bieber when he came to, right. in New York City, came to chapel, came to the team dinner, was in the team meeting. We've had uh, John Chaney. Uh, he came not, – not John Chaney, uh, uh, the basketball coach. No, that is John, John Cheney. Yeah, yeah. Dick Cheney's the Cheney's politician. Yeah, yeah. John, John Cheney's, Cheney's the basketball, basketball coach. coach. Yeah, so when we were in Philly. John he Cheney. was at Temple yeah, for Temple. a long time, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we were playing in Philly, John Cheney came in, spoke to us, team dinner, meetings. Mm-hmm. So that's normal. That's normal protocol. That's fine. It's still amazing access behind the scenes. Sure. Stuff. You can't pay to get that type of access. People getting sideline passes or running through the tunnel. Special, special circumstances. That's dope. I get that. Calling the first 15 plays. 15. The first 15. Like, not not one plays. play. Not no, no. five plays. Not, 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 hey, Wes, not, I'm going to allow you to script because this is the thing. So, for people that are saying, hey, what do you mean by script the first 15 plays? <clears throat> In every game, every offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, they'll script out their first 15 calls. How they want to start. In particular, offense, because you're in more control. Defense, you'll have first 15 plays, but you know it can get wacky just because we always say the first 15 plays are going to be your trick plays, your specialty plays, certain things that they're trying to accomplish, get on tape. So the first 15 plays going into every game, the coordinator knows, the quarterback knows. There is no surprise. You know it. You're going to go right down the list of these first 15 plays. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you might get a short yard situation, or you might sure. get a goal line. That changes. Or you get into a third and long. Right. Yeah. But ultimately, they stick to their scripters for those first 15 plays. So it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. So the fact that you're going to allow two just fans. <laughs> some jabroni. <laughs> I mean, just think about some of the yenzers that we know. Right. Could you imagine the yenzer that you know that's over at the bar could be at McFadden's? He's just hammering one back, and he's like, yeah, I can call that play. I got this. Just imagine that guy up in the booth. <laughs> I'm going to do you Prepar- one. Preparing these 15 plays. I'm just gonna, imagine that. I'm going to do you one better, Motes. Imagine, you know, when you're at the game, and there's the the college-age dude behind you. Oh, man. Who's hammered off of seltzers by kickoff. Oh, man. And he's screaming and yelling, and he thinks he knows better than the coach. Yes. What if that guy gets to script oh, the first man. 15 plays? Because let's be real, it's less about ability and more about money. If you are donating right. a substantial right. amount of money, you're going to win. You're going to have a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, like just I, w- I really want you to think about it. I don't know who, who, who – I feel like if I'm a player, I'm a little upset because I know you're about to put me in a bad situation, and this is my job. In the preseason, let's be real, preseason, that's job evaluation time. I'm trying to make the roster. Right. You over here playing Madden in real life right now with my career. I don't have time for Especially that. Especially in the first game. Right. What the, the starters might play the first series. Might. But, but this is the thing. They still didn't say which game it was, though. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so it could be any of these games. Which is even crazier to me. And, and especially if you add in two mozi, I think this year the preseason is going to be more important than any other Absolutely. year. Absolutely. It definitely is because you haven't gotten the whole OT. You haven't got the offseason Your normal program. evaluation right. program. Training camp. Who knows how that format is going to be. So these preseason games are going to be serious in terms of the development of mm-hmm. your teams going forward. And you're going to waste fi- – think about this. You only get, I mean, at a, real, a realistic game, 60 plays. You're going to take 15 of those away? 
Like, come on, man, that's crazy. That is crazy to me. That Again, especially crazy. with all this stuff going on. Because I would feel like the onus on pre accomplishing what you need to accomplish in this preseason mm. is going to be greater than ever before. Absolutely. Like, I, I think it would be different if you're like, hey, we, man, you could come to training camp and you can call out, you could call these plays, call these plays into the, to the, the linebacker or to the quarterback. You know, you take over these periods. That's cool. I got that. You know, but you know, the, the first 15 plays of a legit game, what? What are we talking about? You know how some of these, it makes me think, like, I wish if, if we were like a massive, like, almost like national type radio show. We're not? Well, I think we are to Steelers Nation. Okay. Maybe we'll see how this works out here. Imagine if you and I could get enough money together from everybody that we could buy, the electric factory could buy oh, that all-in experience. Man. Sabotage City. Yeah. We're like, running goal line offense like, did, at the 20. Did you see what happened with Dave Portnoy and Roger Goodell? No, no, what happened? So, with the NFL draft, right? The uh, NFL, oh yes, I did. The NFL and now somebody's going to get to watch the game auctioned off in a his, bunch of his things. House. Yes, yeah, the NFL yeah. auctioned off a bunch of things to raise money for charity. Okay, and Dave Portnoy is yep. the the founder and CEO. I don't know whatever no, his no, title no. is. That's hilarious. But he's the guy who started Barstool Sports yes. and still runs Barstool That's Sports. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm not a big Dave Portnoy guy. I, I think he's kind of a prick. It's a lot but, of people that think that. Though. But this is he like him and Goodell have history. It goes yes. way back. But Dave Portnoy paid over a quarter million dollars uh-huh. to win this raffle mm-hmm. so that next year he gets to watch a game with Roger Goodell in Roger's basement. Arthur Motes, if we had the type of pool and notoriety that the electric factory, we could all buy this Cleveland Browns thing and then we could decide what we wanted to do for the first 15 plays. Oh, man, that'd be amazing. No question. <laughs> that would be amazing. No question. <laughs> so uh, if you've got some ideas of how we can raise this money, at Wesley Lawyer, at the Body 52. The Body. <laughs> this makes me think, too, along these lines of we're talking preseason games and everything. This is kind of a digression here. But do you think if the NFL tries to scrap Hall of Fame, you know, with everything going on, obviously, if mm. Hall of Fame weekend gets postponed or, because or redone. Because we've seen that with a uh, – was it MLB or NBA? Yes. They uh, postponed. Baseball. Yeah, yeah, MLB. They till postponed until next year. They're going to do both the classes ceremony. at the same yes. time. And I think to be fair, there were only one or two guys that got elected to Major Correct. League Baseball Hall of Fame this year. So it's a little bit easier than what the NFL's facing right, right. where they had a 20-person centennial Correct. class. Um, but if that all gets scrapped or postponed or done, ver- whatever happens to Hall of Fame weekend, I think the Steelers and Cowboys – will still want that extra preseason game because yeah. at this point why would you not no question you need it you need think about this is that I becomes mean, an advantage for the Steelers and the about, Cowboys honestly this would be the final week of OTAs right now mm-hmm. this would be your completing uh, 7 8 9 your 10th practice essentially would be going on right now you missed all of that that is a lot of football plus OTAs that is a or lot plus mini camp pardon me uh, right mini well think about Ricky mini camp would have already happened mm-hmm. and then Veteran minicamp will be coming up after mm-hmm. this week, first week of June. So, because <laughs> that's right, it goes rookie minicamp, OTAs, OTAs and then veteran, then veteran minicamp. minicamp. Yes. Okay. So, when you think about the amount of football that takes place during that time, the amount of practice reps, the yes. amount of walkthroughs, meetings, that is a ton of information. Like hands I'm, on, like hands on coaching. Think about this, right? If a game, when you play in a football game, if that is your test for the week. You think about how many times in class you went over the material on that test. That's a great example. On Monday, you went over it. Tuesday, you went over it. Wednesday. Wednesday, I mean, your teacher you gave know, you a practice test right. to take home. Yeah. Or, 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 if you want to equiv- or if you want to make a game the equivalent of a midterm exam. You think about how much you've worked to get to that point. 
So when you're missing out on all of that, imagine if I just said, hey, Wes, I'm going to give you five days to know a semester's worth of material. That's not enough. That's not enough time. You need way more time than that. So when you're looking at football players, that's the, the same analogy. For these guys, you see the same calls. You get a chance to get the timing of some of these blitzes and offensive routes done right. Mm -hmm. You get a chance to get a rapport with the new guys. Just pick up that language. Right, and just yeah. pull off each other. Hey, I know – Wes, last time we were up here, we felt like this. But, hey, I've been in the lab working out myself. You've been over there getting right. So now we both got to get back in sync. We both got to get on the same page. The body language, the the nonverbal communication, we got to get all that right. And that's the guys that have already been playing together. Right. Not For, the rookies. Forget the rookies and the free agent right. signings. And but then also the coaches. The coaches got to get back in the group. And groove the new with coaches as well, yeah, too. Yeah, they got to understand how we're working with each other, the different pr uh, procedures we want to do. Yeah. Also, I got to figure out how to relate to these new guys. I got to first learn how to teach them. Learn how they learn, and then I got to relate yeah. to them to see, okay, how can I actually coach them? Because it's the difference between telling somebody to play. Sure. It's the difference between that person understanding the play, and it's the difference between you actually coaching them. Coaching is different than just calling a play. Coaching is different than just telling the guy, hey, Wes, go to the right and then stop and then turn around. That's not coaching. That's just directing. That's giving you information. That's giving you uh, instruction. Yeah. To coach you, I'm going to go into detail. I'm going to figure out how I can motivate what you. What did you see? Why right. did you do this? We're going to build a trust that, hey, if I tell you this, you're going to respond back in a truthful manner, and then we can both be on the same page. And now when we're in a situation, I'm like, hey, you remember when I told you about turning here and making the button hook right here? I need you to have your eyes inside, but have your feet on the line, okay? This like that. Mm -hmm. Fingertips. Look it in. Like these are all things that happens with coaching, but you're not – you can't – coach a person that over you haven't a, had that relationship with, right because at the same time like it's a trust that goes back and forth all of that's trans that's this time of year this when all that's happening this is when you're building all those things all the things that help you become a champion all the things that help you to be successful in the season both individually and collectively that's this time of year and now that you bring all that up too a lot of the you know a couple months ago when we talked about the mat the addition of matt canada mm-hmm a lot of what we were excited about was this time of year yes. for him to get his hands on Mason Rudolph and Paxton Lynch. Mm -hmm. and, particularly, we talked about Mason, where, man, let's let, let's let this guy, Matt Canada, work with Mason for a year and, and that whole trial-by-fire season that he had last year. And, man, he could really come out of this looking like a much better quarterback. That's not happening now. Because, again, like you said, there's only so much, particularly when you don't have a previous relationship, when you haven't been working together for years. Mm -hmm. There's only so much you can accomplish behind a computer screen. No question, man. It, it's just not the same. And unfortunately, that's what the, the day we're living in right now. And these guys are going to have to figure out ways to combat that and overcome it. But when you talk about the significance of preseason games, if you're the Steelers, you want all five. And if you talk about the significance of these plays, if you're the Browns to just – auction off 15 of those plays like that's in a preseason again where it's man, those snaps are all more of, of a premium than ever before and like I, I said think. this is a regular year then sure man we're not worried about those 15 because you've had all the OTAs you've had rookie mini camp you have veteran mini camp you have a full training camp but that's not the situation and, right and you now. just pick you pick a game where it's not going to be like it's your starters right, or anything right. anyway you know just say, hey, man, go ahead and take this minimize the impact right but this time right now <laughs> none of that now like this is crazy it is 
It is, uh, yeah, that's that's an all-in job interview that Cleveland is pulling, David says. And it's, that's really what, it, I mean, it's yeah. it's insane. It's insane. If you've got any ideas about how we can hot hijack take, this, all right? Take, if hot you, take, the fan calls the best 15 plays ever, and he <laughs> takes the job over. He's the new OC for the Browns. If you want to write us, you know, like $100,000, $200,000 check so Moats and I can take over the Browns mm-hmm. play calling. But, you know, get at us, at Wesley Alert, the Body 52. And we'll let you know how to make that happen. <laughs> going to take our first break here, but we've got a bunch to get into when we return. Mike Tomlin spoke about the NFL's new Rooney rule. Also, we want to talk about some onside kick alternatives kick that are being kicked around. Oh, you see what I did there? Hey. By the NFL's competition committee. A whole bunch to get into over the next hour and 40 minutes or so here, so stick with us. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. When you want black and gold football talk, you want SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Back in the saddle here on a Tuesday holiday shortened week with the holiday with Memorial Day yesterday. You know, normally it's weird, Motes. Like Memorial Day, I feel like... And I'm not talking about for what it actually stands for and what it actually means in, in this country. It's often too kind of just the, you know, people feel like the unofficial start of summer, right? Maybe that's the best way to put it. Kids are about yeah. out of school. It's usually when pools open. It's usually, you know, the weather's starting to get nice by the end of May. All that stuff. You know, again, the, the superficial stuff aside from the actual meaning of the holiday. Correct. I don't know about you, but yesterday it was like the first time where it didn't feel like that for me. Mm. Because again, like, who knows what the summer's gonna look like? It doesn't really feel like summer. Kids haven't been going to school now for like three months, anyways. Yeah, I- I've been on summer. <laughs> I got a nice tan going because yeah. all that I do is sit outside and smoke meats now because there's nothing hey. else to do. <laughs> I must say, I- I've been on vacation mode every day of the weekend. Yeah, buddy. I guess there's worse ways to be living, for no sure. Question. No question. <laughs> Motsi, one of the things we wanted to discuss on today's program, there are, uh, you know, competition committee meetings every time this time of year, mm-hmm. which, funny side note for you, I do think it's funny that the sports leagues in this country have competition committees, <laughs> and they realize that, right, that, yeah. that sports evolve over the years, over the decades, and that football isn't the same in the 70s and 80s as it Correct. is now, and that basketball isn't the same in the 60s as it was in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. They realize that things change, and as that happens, you need to change the game, you need to change the rules, you need to change how you govern yourself. Right. When, I mean, it's been, what, uh, 400, 300, 400 years in America, and we haven't written a new amendment? Mm. I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> You can't touch the amendments. It makes me. It makes me. Baby, can't touch that. 
it makes me think uh, there's a stand-up comedian I forget who, but he 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 did that in a joke where mm-hmm. he said these sports leagues have competition committees and they adapt and change every year. Yet imagine if Thomas Jefferson came back and he'd be like, "Wait, you guys haven't written any new laws? <laughs> Nothing has changed since then." He'd be like, "You realize I wrote those wrote those amendments like with a feather, right? right? right. By candlelight. You guys haven't written anything new. How lazy are you? Crazy. <laughs> I'm glad that the sports leagues have these competition committees where they address those type of things." One of those Arthur Motes is onside kick alternatives, mm-hmm. and this isn't new, right? This isn't. These are. This has been kicked around for a while. You and I have discussed here on the like program before. There. Kicked around uh, for. Ah. Listen, I'm just trying to keep you on your toes, baby. Mm-hmm. Um. Th- this has been discussed. This isn't a new thing, and and you and I have discussed in the past too how you've shared your personal experiences. Special teams are, da- you know, kickoffs in general are yeah. dangerous. It's, you know, probably the most dangerous play on the football field at times. It's a car crash, right? It's, it's multiple car right. crashes on every single kickoff. I think with the onside kick, right, there's been a lot of talk about is this necessary one from the just the safety aspect and two kind of like the how much is it really a part of football, if you mm-hmm. will. And one of the things that they're kicking around is this idea that instead of onside kicks – Offenses will have a chance at a fourth and 15. Yes, that's correct. So from the NFL's website, they said that you don't have to be trailing to try this fourth and 15 onside kick alternative that would take place from your own 25-yard line. They also said that they're still discussing if they are going to limit it to two tries per game, but they're going to discuss that and and would be open to other strategic options. But they also said that teams – that elected to do the traditional onside kick could still go that route. Okay. Because we did talk about, like, the surprise onside kick mm-hmm. and things like that. So they said if you wanted to still do traditional kicks, onside kicks, you could do that. But it's still, you know, just a, a very fluid discussion right now. But it's definitely gathering some steam because of how far it's made in their the commission committee's meetings and things like that. So it is something that we could potentially be seeing happening very soon. And, and this was written on Friday. And they'll be voting on it again this upcoming week. So we're going to find out, you know, in the next couple of days or so what it's going to look like. If It's going to be kind of like the Rooney Rule where initially they had one proposal and then from there they went with something different. But it's still ongoing as we speak on it. So, you know, it's something to stay tuned about. But for me, I kind of like this option. I like the, the fourth and 15. I think that is pretty far in terms of percentages oh, of, percentage-wise, of getting yeah. it. Yeah, it's not – you know, 50% is a lot less than that, but it is substantially higher than the onside kick success rate hmm. that has drastically declined ever since the past, what, two years now when they switched the the kickoff format in terms of how many people you can have on a side, mm-hmm. the spacing and the different rules associated with that. So in that regard, I mean, I think this is a, a great step to keep the game competitive, give you an alternative method to be more successful, but not penalize the teams that feel that, hey, we have a kicker who can do special things and we have a unit. Sure. That we, like if you're Baltimore Ravens with Justin Tuck, I mean with Justin Tucker, you, you feel, hey, I can go out here and do this. It's a real advantage I'm for very us. confident in what we're doing. This is, We have a weapon mm-hmm. as a kicker. Yeah, yeah they do like have a, a weapon as weapon. a kicker. So like I wouldn't want to penalize him in that regard. So I definitely can see – and that's why I think I like more so the the option that you can go this route or go the other route. But I do think limiting 
or putting a limit on how many times you could do it a game, I think that's going to get a little fishy just because say you're down three or four touchdowns in the fourth quarter and you need to come back, you score, you do this the first time, you score, you do it again the second time, well, now you're out of it for the next two times, and when you might really need it again, you don't have that luxury. So I think they're going to have to look into that element of it a little bit more. But overall, man, I think this is a good, good idea in terms of spicing up that situation and making it more competitive. Yeah, there's a lot here that I want to pick your brain on as the, as the guy who's been there, done that, been in the locker room, been on the field. Because um, I love it just from the sense that there's always people that are upset when they hear me say this, but always. I but I don't care. A fourth and 15 play is more, and I'm doing air quotes here, football than an onside kick is. Correct. It, it, onside it, kick is like rugby. It, 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 exactly. It's, it's just not that an onside kick is gimmicky, but a fourth and 15 play is real football. And again, not that an onside kick isn't real football, but if you're, you know what I mean with the nuance here, unless, unless you're being ridiculous, which, hey, plenty of people are. Um, <laughs> I, I think Moats, like for me, it's always bothered. Like one of my biggest hot takes, right, mm-hmm. is that I wouldn't care if we eliminated field goals from the NFL. Oh. I wouldn't. See, I would. Be- because I, nothing drives me crazier than a great football, a, a three, three-and-a-half-hour football uh-huh. game where it's Arthur Motes hitting each other and crushing each other and uh-huh. going back and forth. And then one team gets the ball to the 35-yard line and some skinny dude who looks like me comes out and decides the game. I hate that. But you, it's the I reason hate why it's a team. hate that. Hate that. You're absolutely right. Well, and I would say this. For that skinny but, guy, his role is just as important as that 300-pound lineman has to all, protect him. I agree with you on yeah. all that. I'm just saying I'd rather see the 300-pound guys yeah. decide it than see the Wesley Eulers decide it. I'm saying this with the self-realization Man, you're here. you're not kicking. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I'm not kicking. I wish I was. I'd be doing Pat, I'd be doing Pat McAfee things right, right now, baby. Um, do you think, though, that we would get to a point where certain teams, maybe not right away, right, but maybe it takes five, ten years, but certain teams start to look at that as a strategy aspect where they're comp- like they almost start not game planning but where teams are more much more confident than they are now in their ability to convert fourth and 15s. Well, I think just in general when we're speaking of onside kicks, that's usually like last minute desperation. And how many times does that right, happen backs over the course against of the a wall, season? We don't have an opportunity here. I think when you're talking fourth and 15s or I I and take it less than fourth and 15. Just talk third and 15. We understand how difficult third and fifteen is. The percentages on that is probably yeah. way less than twenty percent. I would imagine. Yeah, low, strong, strong, like strong low teens. possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So teams already understand how difficult that situation is, but you always got in the back of your mind, hey, I'm gonna get half of this and punt it away, or half of this kick a field goal, and we're good. But when you're talking about the opportunity to get an onside kick back, I think the percentages are less than ten percent. It might have been eight percent or even six percent hmm. of people having success, which is just crazy to me. So when I'm thinking of that, a fourth and 15, I mean, for some of these people, that has to be a lot more appealing when you think about how many times now, just because, like I said, in, in five, 10 years ago, it was a different conversation because you legit had an opportunity to recover one side kick. Now, granted, teams still weren't getting it, but you still had legit opportunities. It was still exciting. Yes. Now, as soon as, I mean, a team does all the work to come back, just off of the alignment alone, you're already playing with, with two hands tied behind your back. And I think in that regard, that's why you have to go to these other measures. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to make it and go back to, hey, well, you know, the alignment rules don't count on 
onside kick situations, that's different. But then that opens up a whole another can of worms because obviously coaches are smart and they'll figure out how to scheme that and use that to their advantages for the rest of the kicking situations. Right. But with that being said, man, this fourth and 15, I think it's a great opportunity. I think that it's something that offenses will love, but at the same time, defenses will love. You know how many times I have to sit on the sideline and hope that we recover the onside kick? You know how much I would rather been out there saying, oh, fourth and 15? We're going to stop. Okay, him. let's ball. Yeah. Like, let, let's do this. Roll yeah. the ball out. I'm going to stop you. Like, I would much rather that. I would feel way more comfortable with that. And if we were to get beat on a fourth and 15, I could live with that versus me sitting on the sideline twiddling my thumbs as this onside kick happens and, oh, this special teams guy messes up or he doesn't catch the ball or this happens. And now I'm over here. Or just the kicker hits it perfectly yeah. and it takes a hop the, the and it Sunday lands hop, right in the other yeah. team's and, that, and now, now I feel some type of way. Yeah. I don't want that. So that for so, me, that's so why I would rather have so, that. So Arthur Motz is agreeing with me. He doesn't want the tiny little dudes like me deciding the games. He wants to decide the game. No, that's not what I said, <laughs> I know, but it's okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to get you fired up. It's baby. okay. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to light up the power yeah. grid here on a Tuesday afternoon. I know what you mean. Certainly, the aspect of it is it's it's part of a team game. Well, and it's the thing too. It's when like, you, sorry. Oh, go I was ahead, gonna go say. Ahead. I was oh, just yeah. I, I was just gonna say it's like saying the it's like saying the relief pitcher in baseball does it. You know, like it's, right, right. even because the, the only pitch is one inning. Like it, it, right. it everybody has their role. But I, I look at it matters. like this too, man. When you look at the personnel that goes on for your onside kick, I think it'll be different. And this is the reason why. Onside kicks are so unique. So when you're talking just regular kickoff, kickoff return, that unit, the kickoff hmm. return unit, the kickoff unit, they are specialized. They play, you know, anywhere between 15 to 20 snaps a game between kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return, true. field goal block. Like you'll get 20, 25 snaps easily. But the thing is, that's what they do full time. When it becomes onside kick, you know what that looks like then? Those 11 guys. They're all skill position guys, now, right? Now hands it's, guys. Right. It's hands guys who don't play special teams, who don't have a clue about this, who go into meeting once a week. The only time the only time onside kickoff and onside kickoff return meet are literally the Friday morning before that, that walkthrough, like mm -hmm. fast-paced practice on Friday. And then from there, Saturday at walkthroughs, you go out there and line it up, but you never go through the operation. And, and when you think about that, you're like, yo, this is nuts. Now, here in Pittsburgh, Danny Smith does a great job in terms of making everybody on the hands team stay back and have to field two to three onside kicks because they are a wacky ball and the way you, they come off. And if you've ever been to training camp, you've seen that, yes. that stuff happening out of Absolutely, out because of if you've Vincent. never tried to handle it, it's um, I'm trying to think what the equivalent of it is. Uh, in baseball, right? If somebody hits it, you know, it's just awkward off the bat and it's skimming off the ground, like it could take weird it's, That's different bounces. than just playing catch. Correct. Yeah. So you catching traditional punts and kickoffs or throwing the ball back and forth is a totally it's different like a knuckle bounce. knuckle puck in hockey. Right, right. Like, all the, if all of you have seen Mighty Ducks. You're just like, yo, what is this? And it's wacky in terms of – so if you're not comfortable handling it, it's going to show. And because these guys don't get a lot of opportunities, you don't work on this because you don't have a lot of opportunities in the season where you have to kick onside kicks. So in that department, man, you're just – I think the reason why I have my issue with it is when you put those guys out there, they haven't been preparing the way that you personally feel they should be that makes for sense. that situation. But The way that every other unit is preparing. Correct. But you can't allocate more resources and time to that element because you're going to take away from the more critical elements that are out there and getting 90 to 95% more of that action. The non-minute elements. So yeah. that's the whole give and take of it. And people will say, well, you just got to do better time with your resources. But when you're on a clock, 
by law in the NFL, you cannot be on the practice field longer than X amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's including warm-ups. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to use this much time on this, this, oh, this, Oh, hey, this. you guys stay an extra half like, an hour. No, it's yeah. not, that's not how it works. Oh, well, you know, if you really want to win, you'll be great and stay after it. Yeah, but I can tell you for a fact, it's cameras at every practice facility. So as soon as the practice time ends and coaches are still on the field, they're being recorded and they will be fined by the NFL. So that is not an option. This is not high school where you could just, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to stay out here because you want to be great. No, that's not how this works at this level. So – when you're talking about from a time standpoint, you it's not enough time to donate and, and, and allocate so many more resources to that element of the game. But it's so critical mm-hmm. when those moments do it's, arise. We always talk about just specialty stuff. You know, the, the red zone plays, the goal line stands. You work on those for a certain portion of practice throughout the week, but you don't have just every day working on these plays because it's not enough time to do so. It's so much. I mean, you got to work on your first down plays, your second down plays, your second and long plays, your second and short plays, second and medium plays, your third and long plays, your third and short plays. Oh, while you're game planning right. for your opponent that oh, weekend. Oh, don't forget your two-minute drills, you know, because that's the whole – there's so much that goes into it from a strategy standpoint. A lot of situational football, yes. too, that the onside kicks and, and, and are down team, on that and list. And the teams that are successful, they thrive in situational football, but you can't thrive in it if you don't allocate a lot of time to that. So those are the issues that you deal with in terms of how you prepare for the onside kick and why, for me, I feel that, hey, this 4th and 15 alternative, I would feel a lot better with just because you know these guys that are going to be out there for the 4th and 15, as a whole, we understand how much time we're putting into this. Even field goal kicking, field goal kicking gets drastically more time for preparation than onside kick recovery and, and kicking. Kickoff return and kickoff. Punt and punt return. Drastically more time. It's not even close. You work on that stuff daily. It's not even close. So that's where you feel more comfortable. That's why for me, I don't have an issue with the field goal kicker going out there because I've seen every day how much time they're spending on that element, the snap, the hole. People think about that. Like when you talk about that, you only focus on the kicker. You never think about the snapper and the holder and how every I'm just trying to day, eliminate jobs, Mozi. Every day they're grinding. I'd they're be a bad at. politician. I'm crushing you jobs. Would. You would. Bad for the economy, man. <laughs> bad for the economy. You only want the big-time corporations to win, man. That's right. That's it, man. I only want the Arthur Motes to yeah, win. Yeah, man. No no Fioris, no Pamela's, none of that. No, no, no. Yeah, just give me Pizza Hut. You know, he, he want Pizza Hut, <laughs> Domino's, and Morton's. That's it. All right. It. You know what? With that example, well, Morton's is okay. <laughs> With the Pizza Hut and the Fioris example, you just changed hey, my mind. man. So for me, man, that's why it's a different level of confidence in those kicking situations versus when you're talking about this onside kick situation because onside kick, they, it's just not enough time being spent in that development. There's not enough mm. for, for the stakes, for what it is, like what is on the line for that play. To me, I'm not comfortable with the amount of time that goes into that because I've been on both sides of, like I said, where you're <laughs> out there kicking it and we're out there receiving it. And I can tell you both times, regardless of the hits that ch- take place on there. You're like, I don't like this. You're just like, yo, I don't really feel prepared. Or you're like, <laughs> I hope they don't kick it to me. Because the way this ball is coming off right now and I know this guy's trying to knock me out is wacky. Or you're trying to, like, make sure, okay, if they kick the ball crazy hard. Like, because some people, instead of the Sunday hop, which is where it will bounce, bounce, sure. and take the big hop in the air. The bullets. The other one, yeah, they kick a bullet and try to hit you with the ball. 
That's not fun either. No. First off, the ball hurts when it hits you like that because you're not going to catch. You probably break a finger trying to catch it. Particularly in like November and December yes. when it's cold. Yes, it feels like a brick being thrown at you. But then on top of that, you got the other guys from Who the team. trying to take your head off. They're trying to absolutely destroy you and recover the ball. So in that department, man, for me, I'm just like, uh, I don't like that at all, man. Give me the 415 alternative. Zero fun, sir. Zero. <laughs> we got some questions, some tweets. We'll get into those when we return. Wrap up the first hour of the show at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Got some tweets I want to get to here, Motesy. But mm-hmm. before we do, it looks like a significant announcement coming down the horn here. Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, is expected to well, – he has a press conference at 4.30. That's not expected. Okay, okay. Today at 4.30. So what, a little over three hours from as you and I stand here right now – uh, commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, expected to, in his press conference, announce the NHL's return to action plan. Arthur Mutz, two parts to this. One, I did not expect the NHL to be the first sport to get back. Especially First off, wait a minute. Don't Hey, hey you're disrespecting something right now. Uh-oh, okay. Tell me what I'm disrespecting. I recently picked up a new sport that I watch. NASCAR. Yeah. Okay. So, first, so NASCAR's been back. First, so team, first team sport in America to return, I should say. Fair enough. Because we've also got, like, German soccer is, is yes. back. And, and you have UFC fighting. You have UFC fighting yes. as well. NASCAR, obviously, too. Yeah, first major team sport. Major though, yeah. team sport because in America. Because NASCAR technically wouldn't be a team sport. I mean, you, I I mean, you have technically teams. you could argue it is. Yes. But, Correct. yeah, there's not a team winning a race. It's, Correct. it's an it's individual, individual racer. Race. Yeah, and then they compete for points as Correct. teams. One, I did not expect the NHL, a league that has teams in multiple countries and mm-hmm. a league that just has inept leadership all the time Very true. to be the first league back. But two, I think two, like this, it's just exciting because, man, if the NHL is figuring it out, I'm, I'm thinking that some other sports leagues aren't too far behind here. Yeah, I look at it a little bit different. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say they're figuring it out, but I think they understand that this is an opportunity from a marketing standpoint yes. to drum up major viewership i mean we talk about how out of the big four hockey and baseball probably struggle the most in terms yes. of drawing that consistent and, and, viewership and but even baseball is the clear third there and yes. hockey is the clear yes. fourth and especially when you're talking playoff baseball people yes. will watch playoff baseball yes not everybody watches playoff hockey so the fact that you're going to be the first major team sport to return and then you're doing it in an exciting fashion with the 2014 playoff yeah Obviously, you know, us in Pittsburgh, we get a chance to witness that, too. So that's extra dope. But when you factor in all those things, I think they looked at it like this is our opportunity to get people to see our sport, to get people to feel the excitement associated with it. And ultimately, you could create new fans just by that because – for me with NASCAR, for example, because there were no other sports on, I watched NASCAR, it made me say, wow, this is something I've never seen I was before. Say, You're a perfect example of this. This is exciting now, and I'm tuning in all the time. So if you haven't watched hockey before, you're going to get the opportunity to watch it with nothing else on TV. And it's going to be intense playoff right, hockey. Because playoff hockey is different than yeah. a, a regular season Tuesday night game. 
Like, no, no, you're going to get a chance to really feel the excitement and feel the energy. And ultimately for them, that's going to boost their viewership. That's going to help them create new fans. And that's going to help them get some of these star players out there even more. All because of the way this thing is set up with the the, the lack of sporting events being able to take place. It's it's uh, You're right. I think that's the key is it's a huge marketing opportunity. It's going to be from the 2014 playoff standpoint, right? It's going to be goofy to an extent, or it's just going to be different to an extent. Correct. Now, but I want to know, are they going to do traditional series, or is it going to be more March Madness? So it's going to be uh, first the first play-in round series are going to be best of five. Oh, and, okay. And okay. then it goes to best of, best seven, of seven like normal. Got you. Yeah. Okay. But so, I think this is an awesome opportunity, man. I do, too. I, I like that opportunity from that standpoint, obviously, for the NHL and just what it signals that, you know, yeah. looks like we're starting to get back there. Well, and also because when I think of NHL, they still – I mean, obviously here in Pittsburgh, we consider, you know, hockey is like a big deal. But it's re- it's a regional sport. From a national standpoint, yeah. it's more of a niche. It's oh, a, you, it's don't a have niche to, you don't have to sugarcoat you know? it. I love hockey, and yeah. it's the truth. So, so I think this gives people the opportunity to, to experience it on a national level without the competition of, hey, do I watch this NAS I mean, do I watch this, you know, NHL playoff game or do I watch LeBron play? Or do I watch this right. person? You know what I mean? And when you're competing in that regard, you really have to love hockey or really love the person you're going to watch more so than some of these superstars that are in the NBA and how their brand is just so much bigger. So for these guys, man, this is a huge opportunity for them. And I'm glad to see them get it because it's a sport that's exciting. I mean, I know I firsthand experienced not ever watching hockey and then making it to the NFL and being able to go watch a Buffalo Sabres game and was like, it's another this, city this where they love absolutely hockey. nuts. Yeah. And from there you get drawn to it and now you follow the sport. So in that regard, man, I think that this is going to be a great opportunity. I think so too. And, and like I said, you with NASCAR, that's kind of the perfect example for yeah, it. There's going to be new people who are tuning in. You pick up a new audience. I mean, because let's be real. If, if this is a normal year and I have, Okay, OTA is going on with football. I got the the NBA going on. I got NHL going on. I mean, if you want to throw an uh, MLB, you could throw that in there too. I'm not really a big baseball guy, but you could throw that in if you want to. With those four things taking place, you really think I would stop to watch a NASCAR race? No. I just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't feel the need to. It wouldn't be a priority to me. But now, because there's nothing else on, it's you like, love it. dude, I'm tuning in. I'm watching. I'm tweeting. I'm like, yo, let's go. <laughs> Joseph says you got to give NASCAR a little more credit. They are indeed a team. The driver can't win if his well, pit, what, yeah. if his pit crew's right. not on their game. That's yeah, that's, we did say it's that. a great point. I mean, yeah, yeah it is. I but, just meant team in the sense of the Chicago Bulls are correct. A team. Well, and I was gonna say like Jordan can't say I won that by myself, right? Whereas Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick can say, hey, Kevin Harvick it's, won that race. Right, right. Just because it he has two other, other yeah. teammates out there with him, they're not getting the bonus money that he's getting. They're not getting the recognition that he's getting. They're not getting put on the podium. They, they, everybody doesn't go on the podium in NASCAR. You know and it's mean? the opposite in team sports, too, right? Like, right. last year when the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. their goalie, Jordan Bennington, was a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't say Jordan Bennington wins the Stanley no, Cup. No, not at it all. It says the St. Louis Blues won the Absolutely. Stanley Cup. And that's so, just what I, I didn't mean any disrespect to, to mm. obviously, I know, like, what goes into that NASCAR, it's not just a dude jumping behind the, Correct. the I wheel. Mean, it's, and, it's I mean, it is, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a team effort. It's a, like, there's a lot of science that right. goes into it, too. It's, it's, inte- it's a lot of reacting and thinking on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't want to poo-poo NASCAR in that regard, certainly. I just meant the general sense. Because uh, you could say the same thing about UFC. You've yeah. got a trainer. You've got a nutritionist. You got you've got your men, cut guys. Yeah. Like, but, but John Jones is the champ. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't say, 
oh, John Jones and this guy and, and, and that guy and this guy. Like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Or, or, or the guy he, or the guy he trains with as we, well. I was just going to say, you and I know the name of probably, I, I know I do, I'm sure you do too, of Conor McGregor's trainer. Mm-hmm. The average sports fan does not know the name not of Conor McGregor's trainer. <laughs> and, and that person is never going to get any type of accolade. Oh, hey, man, you and Conor won the championship. You and Conor won this fight. That's not how it works. Uh, Jared also tweets here, too. If player safety is truly a concern, get rid of onside kicks. Fourth and 15 sounds great. Do you think that it's if, if this rule change gets made, that they will also present it as a play, player safety decision? They could, but at the end of the day, it's not. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> from you mean from the NFL standpoint? Yeah, from an NFL yeah. standpoint, let, let's, maybe let's optically. Be real. Like, like you, you can sugarcoat it as, oh, we're doing this for player safety, but a fourth and fifteen is still going to be just as violent. It's still <laughs> going to be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than the onside kick because that's just the nature of football. I mean, you see it, you see how violent it is. Car crash. Like, you, you mean to tell me this? This running back potentially catching the ball out the flat on the fourth and fifteen, trying to get it and go with ten other grown men trying to kill him isn't just as dangerous as everybody on the onside kick going one on one with each other. No, 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 it's, it's still in the same boat. I mean, you can sugarcoat it how you want to sugarcoat it, which is always done, right? Of it's, course, it's always it's, it's always got to be the PR. Come spin. on, man, it gotta gotta PR spin it, man. We're not only are we doing this for the excitement of the game, we're doing this for the safety because if you look at the concussion rates and how they've been decreased since we've made the just to the kickoff rule, along with this and this and this. Like, yeah, baloney, because just because the concussion rates went down in this element, they still are high in that element, okay? But the thing that I want to know is, and the biggest concern I have with this 4th and 15, we all know how janky pass interference is. Oh! We all know how janky. Just throw the ball up. They should make it like an NFL blitz-style play. Yeah, no, yeah. no no, rules. Just, just run down the field and just chalk it up in the air and create contact. We'll throw the flag. No pass interference, but also, like, no, you know, offensive yeah. linemen can just chop block. No like, rules like, on that like, fourth like and 15 Like, for play. me, I'm thinking about that, and, and I'm like, yo, that would drive me nuts. But then also, are you using traditional – on, uh, traditional passing friends rules in terms of spot foul mm. because say that guy runs 40 yards and it's a spot foul mm. are they getting the ball 40 yards ahead or or say the passing interference happened five uh seven yards down the field that still technically isn't a first half Autom- spot foul but right. according to the nfl rules automatic that would be an automatic first down mm. how does that work defensive holding how does that work? What if there's an offensive holding? Do they get a chance exactly. to run the play again? They get to Twenty-five. Right. Or, or if they fall start off sides, like it's it's a lot. Offensive pass interference. <laughs> it's a lot that goes into this thing. Oh, I was about to catch an interception oh, on this man. onside you just, kick. You just Let opened me... up the rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly. I was going to catch an interception to, to to end this fourth and fifteen, but instead I tackled the guy, so that way we could just get another play of uh you know OPI. <laughs> Like, I need oh, to know man. these things. Arthur Moat's always asking the good questions. Well, because there's so many ways around. So, like, and, and think about this. This is me off the top of the head. So imagine if we really sat here in a room and we were trying to strategize ways to beat the system. Mm-hmm. This is what coaches do. 100%. This is what players do. You you think you they think just Bill Belichick's done that over the you, last you don't, 20 years? You don't think they just figured out, oh, yeah, if I throw the ball up in the air and you jump into this defender while his back's to you, that's a penalty? They weren't doing that 20 years ago. You never saw that 20 years ago. When they realized that, hey, they will throw the flag if you do this, oh, okay, this how we beat the system. And if we do it, you know, five times, and he only calls it two. Okay. Okay, but that's two that we're going to get huge full-flipping plays. Mm-hmm. And we know referees, the human nature element of it. If you, hey, they won't call it the first time, that's fine. I'm going to still talk to them. I'm going to still get on Make them not call it every Make time. Make them not call right? it every time. And eventually he's going to fold to that and call it. 
it's a strategy. It really is. Yeah. Whole lot that goes into it. And that's why you have a competition committee, right? Yeah. I'm sure discussing and debating all yeah. these things. Or how, as pastors, you always want to line almost uh, offsides. But what you do to get a break on it, you look at the referee, you point them like the receivers do, like, am, am I good? You just ask them every time. Every time. And then good? you inch up. Every time. And, and you just inch a little bit. Am I good? Every time. Am I good? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He might get you one with, nah, you got to back up a little bit. But it's been multiple times where guys kind of me, he's like, hey, man, you, you was a little offsides. My bad, baby. I got you next time. And just every time it's points, good, good. Okay. Like, it's good? all the okay. game, man. It's cat and mouse in that regard, man. But you can strategize and find a way, a loophole in every situation yes. in these games like that. First hour in the books, another hour to go. When we come back, Motsi, hour number two, the Rooney Rule is, uh, I guess, this edition of the Rooney Rule has been ratified. Mike mm. Tomlin spoke on it, want to discuss that. And also, who are the NFL's top ten disruptors Way. on defense? Arthur Motes and I will debate. All that plus your tweets in hour number two at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. One hour in the books, another hour to go. Come back with us inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. When you want black and gold football talk, you want SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good! afternoon Steelers Nation how we doing awesome well that's good me too inside the electric factory hour number two here on SNR you know the drill it's Steelers Blitz Arthur Motes Wesley Euler carrying on here on a Tuesday afternoon Arthur Motes just a oh man the weather in Pittsburgh just fantastic and we need this. You know, everyone's been inside. They've been cooped up. Everyone's got, you know, those quarantine blues. It's good to knock off some of that rust and, uh, you know, have some nice weather. And, you know, again, this is, what, our second week now, me and you back on the mic every single day. It's – I know we're not – we have not even gotten close to returning to normal. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to get political or anything. where are you going with this thing, buddy? But it's, you know, it's starting to feel – like more like a May, you know, more like a more like, like a more like May, more like June, oh, more like a May, though, more like a May, even more like a May, whatever great, that is. Great yeah. words by right. me there. Even though we're not hanging out down in Mr. Rooney's backyard at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex for OTAs and minicamp like we normally would be this time of year, it, I don't know. We're starting. I feel the wheels are starting to move. All right, there's some things happening, and and the good weather and me and you being behind the microphone are one of them. How about that? I can agree with you on that department, man. You know. <laughs> Just a great day we're living in, man. So embrace it. So embrace it. Arthur Mutz, we've got to uh, discuss something that we discussed a little bit last week, right? But now it's finalized, and now the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers has spoken on it. Mike Tomlin on the Rooney Rule, right? You mm-hmm. and I discussed um, the original idea about incentivizing minority hires yes. at the head coach and the general manager position. Uh, we kind of followed the whole storyline from that point to what they actually added, right, was requiring more minority candidate interviews for more positions, not just head coach. Correct. And for GM. And we even discussed Anthony Lynn, who is who is the minority head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, and his comments on the situation. Along with Lewis Riddick's comments. Lewis Riddick as well, too. For the New York Giants GM position. 
Well, now we have uh, our guy here in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's Mike, very young. Mike Tomlin. And we know uh, that he doesn't speak very often during the offseason, which is mm-hmm. obviously his right as a, as a coach in the National Football League. Uh, I'm not knocking him for that or anything like that. Most coaches don't speak really during the offseason. Uh, but Mike Tomlin did speak on this, and I thought he had some real poignant things to say. Yes, man. So um, Mike Tomlin had joined Coach Calipari, John Calipari, head basketball coach at Kentucky. And they obviously have a really good relationship. Um, Kyle, coach Calipari has come out to numerous training camp practices, been around the game, been around the Steelers for multiple years now. But um, on Coach Calipari's podcast, they were talking about the Rooney Rule and Coach Tomlin's reaction to it and what coach t said was we've always taken it from the approach of punitive if you don't interview minority candidates or things of that nature i just like the different approach in terms of spending it 180 and talking about maybe incentivizing those that develop the talent and those that hire the talent he also went on to say we're making some adjustments because we're acknowledging right now that the system is broken, that minorities are not getting enough infor- uh, enough opportunity, and we are trying to just figure out how to stimulate that. I agree. It's debatable about the value placed on the incentivized plan, but I generally like the discussion. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I think that's about as well. I think I think that's very well stated. Yeah. I oh, and I, I've left out a part. He had okay. this at the end of it. I ain't want to. No, I don't want to. You know, that's right. You, we Can't got, short him. Can't short him. Got to give the full representation. But he also said we have a problem with minority hiring, specifically in football. But I guess that is an issue of minority. But I guess that's that it's an issue of minority hiring across a lot of industries and lines. Mm-hmm. I'm on with the NBA coaches tomorrow, actually talking about things that are going on in our game with the Rooney Rule as well. NBA coaches getting yeah. in on this as well. Okay, so that's an interesting. That's certainly an interesting Absolutely. angle to, to to those comments there. Yeah, I like normal. That's I mean that to me is perfect leadership from Mike Tomlin. He he comes right out. He tells you what it is, speaks honestly and directly on it without kind of sugarcoating it. And I mean he's been in the National Football League alone now, Moats, for... 12, 13? Well, as a head coach, but oh, I mean, yeah, just yeah. as a coach in general true, for, very true. for 20 years, yeah. for two decades. So it's not like he's some younger guy who's just getting into... Like, he has seen all this play out over the last 20 years, and I'm sure he's... His colleagues that are minority candidates, I'm sure he's seen them multiple times get passed over for job interviews or, or for opportunities and things like that. And I, I like, too, how he's right. I mean, it's not it's not just an NFL thing, right? Like, this is quite often as they are. And, you know, you and I, we, we never want to get into, like, big political discussions on the show here. We that's don't? not That's not where I'm going. We I, don't, th- I thought we talked politics. We don't talk politics and we don't talk baseball we on the show. never talk baseball. That's for certain. Um, see, now you got me distracted. Where was I going? I, I had a great point to make here. Where was I going? Um, sports often are, right, just a reflection of society. Yes. Like, that's a cliche that you hear a lot, but it's a cliche because it's true. And I think I think Coach T did a good job of laying that out there. Yeah, definitely did. And you know, it was surprising to hear, I guess, the positive tone in which he spoke of yes. the proposal of the draft picks. Because up until then, we have only heard negativity associated with that. I mean, even me, I went on record to say that hey, I wasn't a fan of incentivizing. I thought it personally undermines what these guys have accomplished, what these minorities have been able to do to build their resume. But from Coach Thomas' perspective, he's looking at it from the angle of, man, anything that can be done to push this conversation forward, yes, to ultimately push this forward to start getting results. And 
knowing Coach Tom, I mean, he's a results-based guy. He wants to see results. So I do understand that element of it because ultimately this will – I mean, if that does get past the draft pick incentivization – I don't even know if that's a word, but it just sounds good. I think I think it's right. Incentivization? Incentivization. But if that is going to happen, you can believe that there are going to be more minority hires just from that element alone. So technically – by the the land of the law in terms of results, that would equate to results. Now, in terms of the method and how these coaches and GMs, these minority candidates would personally feel about their position in that role once it takes place. Now, that's a different conversation, and I think that's what me – Anthony Lynn, Lewis Riddick were more focused on words with a Coach. lot of women too. Her correct, in football. absolutely. Whereas with Coach Tom, I don't think he necessarily was looking at it from that angle. He was looking at it more so from the angle of okay, how can we get this thing going forward? How can we right. move the ball forward? And I think that's the difference in the tones in which he's speaking on versus worse versus you know how me and some of the other people have been speaking on it. I think so too, and it's it's I didn't expect necessarily I should say Mike Tomlin to comment on this this offseason because again he doesn't have to he's got a million things going on but I'm glad that he did absolutely because on issues on things like this I always think he's well calculated he never like you know Mike Tomlin thought about what he was going to say in this regard but he never just comes out and emotionally speaks on something he's very well calculated he just he he delivers his point and his message always in any type of setting he he does a good job of conveying what he wants to get across, I think, just in the most professional and concise manner possible. And so I'm glad. Like I said, I I, I didn't feel like, oh, well, Mike Tomlin, as a minority head coach, he has to say something about this. No, he doesn't. But I'm glad that he did. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that just shows his leadership both on and off the field. I mean, the fact that he does take time to put himself out there in a touchy situation like this. I mean, because you got to think from his perspective, he's it's a lose-lose for him. If he speaks highly of the rule, the minorities are going to look at him as if you're selling out. If he speaks negatively on the rule, who's the rule named after? Come on now. So just in that department, that can make it uncomfortable for him at the workplace on top of that. So for him, man, the fact that he still decided to step up and make that statement says a lot about the character that he has and his understanding that, man, this is something that needs to be fixed. It's something that needs to be addressed. So I am proud to see him doing that and taking a step forward and putting himself out there for the criticism that's going to be associated with this. Because unfortunately there always is, right? Always, man. You can never please everybody. You know that. You can't please all the people sometimes, but you can't please some of the people all the time. I don't know. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, you know- I, 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 that's, that's a lot, man. I, <laughs> I got lost with the, some of the people, who the people. All I know is if you follow the rainbow, you get a pot of gold. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> who all seen the leprechaun say, yeah? You know what I'm saying? Like, jeez. Still taking your tweets at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Where Joseph, Joseph is still lecturing us about NASCAR. We'll get into that when we return. <laughs> Joseph, I'm not trying to poo-poo NASCAR, man. Yeah, he is. He hate NASCAR. I love it. <laughs> and also the top, this is what we're going to get into when we come we- back. Wes said NASCAR athletes aren't real athletes. Oh, would you stop? He said drivers on athlete. That's what he said. Oh, would you stop it? That's not what you said. You would said you that stop, off air. Would you stop it? I did not say that. All now right. you're just going to be getting me mean tweets. You said it. You know, Arthur Motes, I don't know what it's called. I just know the sound it makes when it lies. Mm, I don't know none of that. <laughs> Who are the top 10 disruptors on defense in the National Football League? Kevin Harvick. Well, people have been talking about this. Kyle Bush. And what? Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, the top 10 disruptors in radio, Arthur Motes is on that list. (laughs) 
The top 10 disruptors in football. This is a conversation that's been kicked around, and Moats and I are a little, uh, a little peeved, a little perplexed that one of our boys isn't on the list. We'll discuss mm-hmm. with you when we return inside the Electric Factory. It's Euler and Moats. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All folks, Arthur Motes came in here this morning. I don't want to say a little hot. Well, I mean, maybe because it's like 80-some degrees outside. But it's nice, though. I don't want to say a little hot, but maybe a little perplexed was the uh, the term that I'll use, Motsy. Fair enough. Motes comes in. You know, we're, we're always prepped, Motes and I. We've talked about this before. You know, we got all the notes. We've done all the research. We got opinions on everything. Every single thing. Well, part of that, obviously, now is, look, with no OTAs and no minicamp, everybody that works in the sports world, in the football world, is finding some things to talk about, right? You're finding some ways to create conversation and content. Well, one of those on NFL.com was an article where they did some research and the NFL, uh, you know, some writers from the NFL listed, uh, Nick Shook was the one who put the list together. But again, this is all kind of mathematical. Mathematical. They used a formula. Of the top 10 most disruptive pass rushers in the National Football League, Arthur Motz, I'm looking down this list. Mm-hmm. And one. Mm-hmm. Trenton. Mm-hmm. It's Trenton James, right? Yes. One Trenton James Watt is not on this list. No TJ Watt, but let's start at the top here, okay? Uh, And in order to grasp this full kind of, you know, the, what, the formula that they used here? Yes. You had to play at least, you had to have at least 250 pass rush snaps. So not just 250 snaps in a game. Correct. Pass rushing snaps. Correct. And they broke it down uh, disup- disruption rate, which is the total number of disruptions, which can be hurries, pressures, sacks, but only one per play. Correct. So you can't get a pressure and a sack or a hurry pressure sack on the same play. Only one per play. So, Arthur Motes, you want to get into this? Top 10 disruptors in the oh, National Football yes. League. You want to start with this first name or should I do it? Number one on their list <sighs> is a guy who missed 33% of the season last year. Miles mm-hmm. Garrett. Mm. 18.5% disruption rate, 3.5% sack rate, 10 sacks, 53 total disruptions. He played in just 10 games, Arthur Motes, but he's number one on their list. All right, I'm not going to lie. Don't really have a big problem with that. He was kicking a lot of butt. I mean, he was. He's really good. <laughs> Pr- prior to <laughs> the incident with him and Mason Rudolph. Yeah. He was kicking some serious butt. We talked about it going into that game. He was leading the league in sacks at the time. Like he, I mean, not, no, he wasn't leading the league. Shaq Barrett was leading. Yeah, the league. but he was close. But he was close. Top he was three, like top three, absolutely. Yeah. The dude was on a path. I mean, he he's showing that he can be a dominant defender in the NFL. I mean, that's what he was doing. So I'm not necessarily. I don't have an issue necessarily with this one. Okay, because by that factor. I mean, by their formula that they're using, he didn't get an opportunity to play the rest of those games. So for better or worse, his percentage is going to be extremely high just when you base off the amount of sacks and disruptions he had right. compared to the amount of snaps that he played also. 
It's a good point by you. That's a fair point, all right? As much as you know the Browns and the Miles game. I mean, yeah, those are all fair points by yeah. you. Zadarius Smith, number two on the list. 17.5% of the time, he's a disruptive. Uh, 84 total disruptions, 13 and a half sacks. I got no problem with this one, Motsi. I mean, you watch that Packers defense last year. They've been vastly improved. He was a huge reason of that. Um, yeah, to the Smith brothers, man, him and Preston, man, they, they went crazy. I, I would have him a few spots down on the list, but he is certainly on my list of elite pass rushers in the National Football League. Yeah, man, I definitely agree. They also said in this article that in terms of interior defenders, he was, what, five points higher than the second-place guy who would have been second-place, which would have been Stefan Tuitt in terms of their disruption. But obviously, Tuitt didn't play enough snaps this year, which right. is why he doesn't make the list. But overall, man, Zadarius, I mean, you could feel his impact in games. You can see the upgrade on that defense with him out there. And, yeah, I don't have an issue with that. And he had 13 and a half sacks. I mean, anytime you get 13 and a half sacks, you're kicking a lot of booty. Mm-hmm. Like, let, let's be real about it. Let's be real about it. So, I'm cool with that. Uh, another guy who kicked some booty last year, but I'm surprised to see him this high on the list. Mm-hmm. Robert Quinn, number three. 17.2% of snaps he's disruptive with 60 total disruptions and 11 and a half sacks. Yeah, he did have a quiet 11 and a half. Which, and it's weird to say yes. that, but it was. But, but when you're playing in Dallas, I mean, when you, Demarcus I mean, everybody has talked about so much more than Robert Quinn. And also, remember, Robert missed some games last season as well, mm-hmm. man. So I think that played a, a part into it. But like I said, based off the formula, because of the time he missed, he still comes against 11 and a half. That's a huge benefit for him because he's not going to have the plethora of snaps that per se a guy like – Bud Dupree, who played 97% of the snaps, 98% of the snaps per game, is going to have. So in that department, by this ruling, I can see, okay, how he's up there. But, I mean, the 11 and a half sacks, dude, like, that's a lot. It is. That's a lot. Once you're getting over those double digits, that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, And you know who's, I think, too, uh, Khalil Mack has to love this. Yeah, because he's going to get that Robert Quinn guy lining up next to him next year. That's going to take a lot of pressure off I mean, of Khalil and, Mack. And to put it into context, too, him and uh, K- Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack both have 49 pressures in 2019. But Quinn did it on 116 fewer passing plays. That's impressive. That's, that's impressive. That's some high-quality butt-kicking right there. I mean, that's man. like three games worth of pass rushing yes. plays. Yeah. Like, that's, that's crazy. Nick Bosa, number four, the rookie, the most impressive rookie, I think we can all agree, last year. Disruption rate of 16.4%. 71 total disruptions. Only nine sacks. I mean, I say only nine sacks, which is a crazy, which is a really good number for a rookie, certainly. Um, but yeah, this guy just starting to scratch the surface, Motsi. I would expect him, his percentage to be even higher going forward. Yeah. And all through last season, Nick was one of the guys that when we would talk about in terms of rookie of the year candidates, people would say, well, he doesn't have a lot of sacks. And I said, man, you're not watching tape. Because if you watch tape, you see at multiple times last season, he was leading the league yes. in QB pressures. Yes. I mean, he ended up with 60 QB pressures, which is fourth best in the NFL. That's pretty good. So <laughs> so when I think of Nick, I don't get a name with the nine sacks because his impact is felt. You can see – I mean, you watch the Super Bowl. You see what he was able to do out there, the pressure that he creates – think the Aaron Donald effect even if Aaron Donald isn't going for 20 sacks Mm -hmm. he's still wrecking havoc he's still hitting your quarterback he's still making him have to speed up his clock so in that department man I don't have any issue at all with Nick being at four I mean Nick yeah Nick a ball another youngster at five I personally would have liked him have him higher yeah 
And I again, like I said, going forward, I bet you he'll be higher. Yeah. Number five, Josh Allen, another youngster, right? Um, listen, he's got some good teammates in Calais Campbell and, and Yannick Ngakwe, although those dearly departed Campbell, now a Raven Ngakwe, wanting out of town, clearly. Uh, but a disruption rate of 16.2%, 10.5 sacks, 54 disruptions. He's another one, like Bosa. I mean, he's on the list now, which is great. I'd expect him to only get even better. Yeah, I think he'll definitely improve, but I think a lot of that's going to depend on how they replace a Calais Campbell and what ends up happening with Yannick. Certainly. He needs to step up in that regard. Yes, absolutely. He absolutely does, man. But ten and a half sacks, I mean, the kid was balling. And he's another one that, man, even though he had ten and a half, it was still kind of quiet. It wasn't talked about a lot, but that's more so because the market. I mean, when you're playing in Jacksonville, it's tough to be a star. Yeah. It's very tough. Number six, a guy that we've discussed, Aaron Donald, 15.7%, 12 and a half sacks, 90 total disruptions. I mean, that's that's a bad, bad man, Aaron Donald. And I mean that I mean that in the most respectful way possible. (laughs) And and just to give you context, the reason why he's low on this list, they said that he played more snaps than anybody else on the list. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had eight hundred and eighty two snaps. That's a lot of snaps, man. Dude, that is a ton. That is a ton of a ton. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he was still very productive. Like you said, the 12 and a half sacks was a down year for him. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. It's, it's crazy. crazy with 12 and a half it sacks is a yeah. down year. But that was a it's down a year for down, him. That's a pretty good down year. <laughs> that was a down year for him, man. But ultimately, man, he could ball. He he gets after the quarterback, and he still had 69 QB pressures, which was second most in, in last season. Mm-hmm. So he still were, was getting after the quarterback. He still was winning at an extremely high rate. I think for him, though, just the amount of rushes, the volume, is ultimately what hurt him in this total system. But he still kicked a ton of butt. Yeah, you could still easily make an argument that he's the best football player in the world right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's phenomenal. Another guy who's down on this list had a phenomenal year with nine. And a half sacks. Shaq Barrett, who you spoke about earlier as well, too. 15.4% of the time he's disruptive. 78 total disruptions. Again, 19 and a half sacks. Finally got that opportunity in Tampa. Got out of the shadow of some of those bigger name guys in Denver. And I think maybe the, you know, the square peg who was asked to fit the round hole was mm-hmm. finally the square peg who was asked to fit the square hole. Uh, and it was a great season for Shaq Barrett. Yeah, man. He definitely found a way to produce. Uh, it was a funny stat in here. They said. Just last season, his 19-and-a-half sacks, that's five-and-a-half more sacks than he had in 61 total games while he played with the Denver Broncos. It's crazy. I mean, it was crazy uh, crazy productive, but once again, he falls into the Aaron Donald category in terms of high volume. 836 snaps, 508 were pass rushing plays. That is a ton of rushing the passer. It really is. A ton. I mean, that's way more than 50% of the time. Like, wow. Yeah. But, you know, he was productive and, and ultimately had the numbers to back it up. The sack total, I think, is what helps him more than just the pressure element yes. of it. But even when I was watching him early in the season when he was going on that tear, having like nine sacks in four or five games, I laughed. I said, man, this is like the perfect storm with some of his games where traditionally you'll get a sack. But then you might have three or four excellent rushes that you would have won on, but the yes. guy just gets rid of the ball or it was a penalty, or something goes wrong. For him, everything was going right. Anytime he won, QB was holding the ball, it was his perfect situation. Mm-hmm. And, for, like, 
that's one of them dream opportunities. But sure. I'm glad to see it worked out for him. Obviously, him being an undrafted guy and you know a little bit about his story, I think it was cool to see him finally have that chance to break out. And he's going to be a big piece for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team without a doubt. defense next year. And they're going to be playing with the lead more than likely compared to last year where it was a lot of turnovers, a lot of, you know, hey. Short field situations. Quick turnaround, get back on the field, baby. A lot of that. You don't like that. It's not fun as a defender. It's true. A lot of the things that we've said about the Steelers' uh, defense and how they could benefit Mm -hmm. from the offense, I think you could say a lot of those same things about Tampa Bay as well, too. Absolutely, man. And two defenses that had their success last year in a lot of – adverse inopportune situations Mm -hmm. now let's see how good they look in some opportune situations yeah that could be scary number eight a guy who just barely crossed the threshold oh man see this is where you got me now 253 pass rushes but that's enough donta hightower of the patriots 15 percent disruption rate five and a half sacks 38 total disruptions boo Get this man off the Boo. list. TJ Watt's not on this list, and this guy is. This, this this right here is a prime example of, hey, you know, the formula. Hey, taking advantage of the formula. He barely, 250 is the minimum. 253 is what this guy brings to the table in terms of rushing attempts. I don't want to hear it. Come on, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't. Get this guy off the list. Period. <laughs> Period. Five and a half sacks? No, that's trash. That's poo-poo. I don't know. 250 rushes? I don't want to hear it got, at yeah, all, man. 250 rushes. He's on this list over TJ Watt, mm-hmm. Yannick Ngakwe, Demarcus Lawrence, Joey Bosa. Give me a break. Dude, I ain't gonna lie. 250 pass rushes. Man, I wish. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, 250 yeah. pass rushes? Oh. You know what's funny is last night uh, wow. with the with the replay of the uh, Monday Night Football, the Michael Vick yeah. in San Diego, and, and it wasn't San Diego against yeah, the Chargers. Yeah, it was. You know, I saw you out there on the field, Motsi. Oh, you know, I said a little something. something you know, I was, I was I was laying there with wifey before bed. And I was like, look at that, look at that number fifty-five coming off, something, coming something. off the edge. I'm surprised we haven't gotten any tweets from the Power Grid about that today. Little, little, I thought for sure we'd get man. some. Motes was on Monday Night Football last night. Little you guys missed man. it. Motes came out of retirement last little night for about three even hours. Though, even though it is funny, man, for me, like I turned to it. I was like, I already know the ending. <laughs> I literally, I turned it on. I watched you play a defensive series, and yeah. I was like, I don't. Yeah, whole, I, already whole, know, I already know this ends. The whole vintage game thing for me doesn't work. If it yeah. if it was like a 10-minute highlight package of that Different. game, I'll sit down and watch it. Like, like I've seen the highlight package of the, tw- it was 2015 season, Denver Broncos game, regular season, where we played Brock, uh, Brock Oswald. We had to come back. I've watched the highlights. Loved it. Saw so so a couple of me up there. I'm like, yeah, there mm-hmm. we go. All right, big play here. I like this. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm not about to sit and watch it. You know, I, like, honestly, like, I've never watched one of the games I've played in, like the TV kind. Like, I've actually right. studied other the than, film Other of than myself. film study. But and, and I have copies of every – I have TV copies of every NFL game I've played in. Hmm. Do not watch it. Just the thought of me putting it in, I'm like, I already nah, know what happens. Not, I already – like, yeah. I'm good on this, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with that. The whole vintage, you know, the classic game thing. I just, it's not the same. But iron shoot, thing. man, just just thinking about, man, 253 pass rushes snaps for this guy, Dante Hightower. Man, I, I don't think, I, man, I might have had 100 pass rushing snaps in a season. Uh, I know. The way we, the, and back then, the way we were playing our defenses, too. I was going to say, your, yeah, your yeah. numbers would be. No, no, we, 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 we were coverage guys, man. We were coverage linebackers here in Pittsburgh. Jeez. Not that Moats is salty about it or anything. I'm salty about Dante Hightower being ranked eighth on this list. You're absolutely right. And I see he had 253 pass rushes. Yeah. 
Uh, there were two kind of a big name Atlanta Falcons that uh, transitioned from the South to Cleveland. Sorry for those guys. Cool, they're going to be in for a shock in a lot of different ways. Uh, one was obviously the tight end Austin Hooper. The other one, Adrian Claiborne, off to the Brands. He's another one I, I I don't get on. 282 pass rushes, 14.5%, four sacks, 41 total disruptions. Unreal. Adrian Claiborne over Joey Bosa? We listen, really doing this? Listen, Adrian Claiborne forever needs to think, was it Chase Greenway? I think that was the tackle, the tackle yes, name. Yes, yes. Chase Green? Or whatever his name was, it Greenway or Green? Something with Green in it. Yeah, yeah. the tackle that came in for the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, that helped him get his ten sack bonus. First time hitting ten sacks in his career, which ultimately led to him getting a nice deal to go to New England and win a Super Bowl and all that other stuff. If it wasn't for him, this dude is Chaz Green. That's his name. Chaz, Chaz Green. Green. He needs to forever thank Chaz Green because that's the only reason. We even know Adrian Claiborne right now, man. Mm-hmm. All right? Period. So the fact that he's on this list as the ninth-ranked guy over guys like Cam Hayward, are you I was going to say, Cam Hayward, Joey Bosa, Chandler Jones. Come on, man. What are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? Unbelievable. I don't want to hear his. Unbelievable. Di- in the article, they say his disruption rate wasn't far from Miles Garrett with similar number of pass rushes. No, no, no. Miles Garrett had 10 Sacks yeah, already. Claiborne had four. Four. Stop it. Oh, and Miles Garrett only played ten games? Exactly. Stop it. Get out of here. And then number ten on the list, a guy who by his standards had a down season. Oh, but, but it was a terrible season for Vaughn. But he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is arguably the greatest pass rusher of his generation. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a Super Bowl MVP, and he's still very effective. Vaughn Miller at number 10, 14.5% disruption rate, eight sacks, 60 total disruptions. Mozi, he got the slight edge. By less than a percentage over Joey Bosa, Demarcus Lawrence, Ngakwe, and TJ Watt. Yes, indeed, man. But it's crazy to think he still had 52 QB pressures. And he was out that thing pretty much solo. His yeah. next, the, 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 the guy next close to him on his team had 29. And like, was that Chubb? No, that was Wolf. What happened to Bradley Chubb? We even talked about know. that enough. Maybe he got hurt. Was he what sick? What happened to Maybe Bradley Chubb sick. last year? I don't know. Year. He had to be sick, bro. Yeah, we might have to look at that during the like. What happened to Brad? Yeah. I, I had such high hopes for him. You, I'm, I'm yeah. Maybe. I loved him coming out of NC State. He might have had a stomach bug or something last season, man. Let me. Yeah, or maybe he just had some sophomore, some sophomore slump. You know, it nah, happens. Nah, man, nah, you don't slump off like that, dude. You don't slump off like that, dude. <laughs> I gotta you see, got, man. You got him over there. Because, I mean, playing across from Vaughn Miller, uh, playing in that defense, what happened? What wait happened? a minute, wait a minute. New okay. scheme with Vic Fangio? Is that what here it was? Here we go, here we go. Hurt his knee. Okay. ACL. This would have been the end of September when this happened. Okay. So that, early okay, in the season. Okay. All right. That yeah, makes they, sense. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, when they, they lost to the Jaguars, that was the game it happened. Okay. All right. Because I was about to say, yo, there's no way. Like, what, what's going on with this kid? Yeah, because he's just too talented to to drop off like that. Yeah. But we'll see him bounce back this year, I think. I think we really Absolutely. will. Absolutely. All right, one more segment to go. You know what that means. We'll get to your tweets to wrap up the show. So get them in now at Wesley Uric at Body52. The Body. We will get out of here with some laughs on the Twitter.com when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, wrapping things up when we return. It's Euler and Moats, Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show here on a Tuesday. When you hear the Ico Ico, you already know. It's time to wrap up. It's time to get to your tweets. Our buddy Thrash in Virginia, uh, he asked us a question, and then he sent a picture that I'm going to have to ask about. But first of Uh-oh. all, our buddy Thrash, what food and activities did you get into for the holiday? Fellas, mm. a lot of smoking meats, okay, a lot of grilling, okay. and uh, it was nice. Uh, you know, my wife Morgan, uh, we were able to spend some time with She's got two brothers who are in high school. We haven't seen them since cool, probably last summer, honestly. Mm. So it had been almost a year since we sent them. So we just, you know, hung at the house, spent some time with them. It was nice to see those guys. But, yeah, you know, food and activities. So if you want to know food, Motsi, all right, this weekend, um, on the smoker, I did a pork shoulder. You know what you make okay, pulled pork yeah, out of? Yeah. I did like a four-and-a-half-pound pork shoulder. I did ribs, and I did chicken wings on the mm, smoker. Okay. And then just straight-up grilling this weekend, I did some steaks, and I did some burgers. I like it, man. So for me, man. My kids, they wanted drunk. They wanted like wings, like if you were a Buffalo Wild Wings. So we got the chicken wings, chopped them up nice, nice. made them nice and pretty for us. And then from there, grilled those out. Those were fire. Then shout out to Omaha Steaks, man. Oh. Went with the uh, couple of fillets, a couple of ribeyes, some lobster tails. Did it up nice for the family, man. Had us feeling real bougie in the house. Yeah. Did you get in any? Did you light off any fireworks? You know, this is the debate no, raging no, across no. Pittsburgh I'm right not gonna now. Lie, man, I've never been a big like lighting firework guy. And then when Jason Pierre Paul that situation Ooh. happened, that's like my built-in excuse now. So it's easy. Like, oh man, you saw him. I can't do it. But I've never been big into that, I, man. I don't know if you saw this, but this was like the great Pittsburgh debate all weekend on Twitter. Was mm. fire because we know Yinzers love fireworks. Correct. Anytime it gets over eighty degrees outside, Yinzers start lighting off mm-hmm. fireworks. Which I get the side of it. Hey, fireworks are fun to light off, and it's probably mostly younger people who are doing Correct. this. I also get the side of the people who are like, "Yeah, I've got dogs and I've got kids, and it's a Tuesday, and you dudes are lighting off fireworks." I see both sides. All right, I'm not trying to be a politician here, but yeah. I see both sides of the aisle on this one. I mean, it really is quarantine right now. What do you? That's true. What you got going on the next day? That's true. Like, but I also do think that yeah, I mean, like fireworks should be a July Fourth thing. Solely and July Fourth. Well, just don't tell me Happy Memorial. Can we talk about this for a second? Can no, I, I got can I that. lecture about this for a second. I got that part Quit of it. Quit saying Happy Memorial Day and celebrating Memorial Day. I, I understand. It's supposed that. to be the opposite of that, right? That's all. I understand that element of it. But at the same time, people love to celebrate. We're Americans. It's Americans true. will celebrate anything. It's true. I mean, Especially people, after uh, a quarantine. Amer- Americans celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We're not even <laughs> Irish. We celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Not That's Mexican. not even a real Mexican holiday. I mean, <laughs> let's be real about it. We will celebrate anything. Oktoberfest. Ain't none of us been to Munich. Dude, dude, dude. We celebrate anything. <laughs> anything. True. So, so for me, I always just take and the Yinzers do that with yes. fireworks. So I look at it that way, and I think for me, I guess like my upbringing is different. So when it comes to fireworks, the reason we never did fireworks because like in my neighborhoods we grew up, people just go outside and shoot the guns in the air. That's fireworks. So <laughs> I never really saw the big deal of getting the fireworks. Like, hey man, it's, hey, you know, my, my cousin, he's gonna go out here and shoot his gun. He got a pistol. He has a shotgun, and we're just gonna make it happen. Like cool. You know? Bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. It, it, see, it, you get a little flash, you get the noise, everybody loves it. All listen, right, cool. Listen, as, as, a, <laughs> as a guy who, uh, you know, my mom grew up on a 350-acre farm yeah. in West Virginia and spent a lot of time there, 
I'm with you in that regard. There was a lot of gun shooting. Yeah, 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 on that, 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 that was our fireworks. All right. So for me, it doesn't. I, I don't know. I've just never really been into fireworks like that. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I loved lighting them off. But it, now I'm like, I just want to go to bed. I don't stay up late. And then, and then I would always hate when like my folks say, oh, we're gonna go to because obviously being from you know Virginia, oh, go down to the beach for the fireworks and we'll watch show? fireworks. You know, I hate that because the fireworks they happen at night. You know what happens at night in the south? Bugs, mosquitoes. I hate mosquitoes. I hate mosquito bites. I hate how they itch. They bubble your skin up. They last forever. Forever. So for me, I've never been a fan of any of that type of stuff at all. I'm not from the South, but I echo every sentiment that you just laid out right there. I mean, on Noah's Ark, could he not have just thrown the mosquitoes off the Ark? I mean, did, did you have to take two of those? Did you have to take two of those? You could have just took one so you can reproduce. <laughs> the picture, too, was Thrash said I had ribs and chicken. Uh, mm. And he said I got to hang out with a baby raccoon. And he actually posted a picture of a baby raccoon sleeping on his. Oh, wow. Thrash, I need a story here, man. I mean, you can't just tweet us a I mean, picture of a raccoon off, sleeping on off, your lap. Thrash, your comfort level with nature. Whew, me, yeah, I'd have been running the. Oh, I, I don't even like Thrash, the deer you, that come in my backyard. Are you brother nature? Is this like is this like, your like, burner account here? Like, I, I wouldn't even pet a random dog that I see. No. Let, let alone a random raccoon sitting on my lap. Like, yeah. what? Thrash, what? you can't just send us that, all right? You got you got to have a follow-up here. All Thrash, right? you're going to change your name from not Thrash Metal Guy to Thrash the Nature Guy. Like, this is nuts. <laughs> I need a follow-up, Thrash, here. Like, whoa. And then, our, you know, our buddy Joseph, he says, I know you guys aren't trying to poo-poo. I'm just trying to help out the new NASCAR fan. No, 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 no. Wes is trying to poo-poo NASCAR. Wes said, man, NASCAR, all you do is left turn, left turn, left turn. That's what he said, man. I heard him. You're the one who last Thursday on the show, you said I I like Formula One more because you're not just turning left the whole time. You said that. I'll pull it up on the tape. That was because I was uninformed. (laughs) Now now that I've had a chance to watch, what, two races now? No, three races now. Oh, you're a veteran. You're a savvy vet now. Yeah, I understand, man. man, man, The car's a little tight or it's a little loose. You know what I mean? I I learned they have a a a, a it's a bar, a something bar. Like a crowbar? No, no, no. It's a bar. It's like two holes in the back of the window. You put this pole in there. You okay. spin it around, and it can raise or lift your car. I forgot the name of it. I'm still learning, but it was pretty cool. Helps with your car. Aerodynamics. Again, I was not trying to poo-poo anything. I only meant in the traditional team sense of a sport. Yes, NASCAR. Those pit crews are amazing, and they deserve credit. You said it ain't no route though. I just, I meant in the, tri- because like, right, like the caddies deserve a ton of credit in golf, but when Tiger Woods was up there winning all those majors, what's his name? Steve Woods? Wasn't that Tiger's, lo- no, Steve, no, no, Steve, no, 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 no. Steve, um, it's not Steve Jordan. That's uh that's John Mayer's I don't drummer. because he split, he, he switched. <laughs> yeah, Remember, Stevie yeah. Williams. Was it yes. Stevie Williams? Maybe, I don't his know. His longtime caddy yeah. until he switched, but again, we don't know his caddy's name because while there's a lot that plays, and Tiger Woods has a swing coach, and you Michael Phelps, right? Michael Phelps didn't win eight gold medals yeah, he all, did. all by himself. He's yeah, he got did. he's got a, a butterfly coach and he's got a this and a nutritionist and he got, that. He's he got butterflies that he keeps in his house, and that's how he learned the butterfly. And stroke. he had he had a four by one hundred relay. He needed his teammates there. No, he didn't. Usain Bolt, when he won all those gold medals, he had a four by one hundred relay. No, he did it by himself. He just woke up and ran. 
<laughs> I just meant in the traditional sense of it. Even at every individual sport, you have other people that play. Serena Williams isn't just going out there and ripping it up in tennis. She's got coaches and people that help her as well. Well, I mean, she is just going out there and ripping it out in tennis. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it, but that's all that I meant. All right. So I'm not trying to poo-poo anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Moats actually. I've been keeping an eye on NASCAR. Because, I mean, if anything else, I do, you know, I got that itch that needs scratched every once in a while. Hey, I feel you 1,000%. (laughs) I'm waiting to gather a little more information before I start dibbling in that department, though. It's tough, too, because it's not like you're just picking one or the other. I mean, Uh, you got the whole field to choose from. Dude, and I mean, some of these races, I mean, it comes out to like the last lap and something could happen. Change everything, so. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it for today's show. We'll have more NASCAR takes tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for everybody who tweeted in and joined in the conversation. We know you always appreciate you guys. Tomorrow, we're back. Same time, same place. Are you going to say knuckleheads too? No, I can't. You thought about it, though. I did. Because it's a a great line by Will. Oh, man. You know what? Like 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be some radio host who starts saying knuckleheads. And, like, the new generation of sports fans won't know the Wilbon connection there. Mm-hmm. But I'm, we're still too close for me to get away with that. Okay, fair enough. Still too close. Fair enough. So we'll talk to you tomorrow, knuckleheads. Wait, what happened? Jesus. So we're on a 22-hour break. Wait, what, wait, what happened? That's Tony Reale's <laughs> thing. Dang it. Oh, man, what am I doing here? We'll talk to Yins tomorrow. Same time, same place. High noon. And where, Motsi, can they find us? On your 24-7 home of the black and gold? Still Nation Radio.